My name is Dan Spino. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at West Shore, and it's good to be worshiping with you, uh, and it's my privilege to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, today, our sermon is going to be on hospitality, uh, but before we get there, there's a few things I wanted to just talk about. First, I want to check in. How's everyone doing today? You guys doing all right? Yeah? Can I, can I get you anything? A cup of water, coffee, maybe muffin? I wasn't calling you muffin. I'm sorry. This just got awkward. Sorry. I meant, do you want a muffin? But all right, good. I'm glad to hear that you guys are all doing well. All right. The other thing I want to talk about before we get into hospitality is a little, little house cleaning we need to take care of. Last week I was up here and I talked to you about these belong cards. You'll, some of you will see them in the seat backs in front of you. Uh, those are going to be removed tomorrow night. That wasn't meant to be a permanent fixture. Uh, the reason why I call attention to them today is that if you didn't get a chance to fill one of those out, we would love to hear from you. Uh, these cards are for anybody that's involved in a life group, particularly if you lead a life group. Um, we plan to have a lunch in a, f- in a, coming, in a few weeks coming up here. Uh, we'll be in touch with you. But we would just want to show our appreciation for the work that you all do, for all of our life group leaders. You guys serve on a weekly basis, many of you, some, some of you every other week, um, however you arrange it. But often you serve on a weekly basis, serving this church, and we so appreciate what you do. Uh, so this luncheon would be a chance to honor you and a chance for us to hear from you, how we could better support you and any questions you might have and start talking about some training. So... Uh, the belong cards are there. Bring them to the Welcome Center if you do fill one out. Uh, if there isn't one and you have any questions on that, just email us, belong at westshorefree.org. It's really easy. Keep things simple. So, all right, <clears throat> We're, let's get into our sermon here. Let me open us in a word of prayer. Father, it is, it is so good to worship here. Um, full stop. We are, we are a blessed people. Thank you for giving us a space where we can come in and gather in community. Thank you for the teams that lead all the ministries here, all throughout our church. Um, And it's so good to just hear your name proclaimed in song, to sing it out as well. And Lord, my prayer now is that we would continue to proclaim your name, that your presence would continue to be felt as we move into some talking time, some uh, looking through your text And Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would be guiding us, that your words would stick, my words would fall away, the things of you would stay and implant, Um, Lord. And I ask all this for your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, great news. There's a local business that's figured out. They have a sign that says, you belong. It's so revolutionary that we're actually going to just go ahead and copy it. And you guys will figure it out, right? We'll put the sign up and you guys will get it. You'll see the sign. You'll feel a sense of community because this is up there. And frankly, I mean, we could probably just cancel our sermon series. We're going to restructure our strategy here at the church. And we're just going to put this sign up. And it's, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> that wouldn't work, right? Of course, I'm joking. Even if, even if you didn't laugh, I'm just joking, right? This, this sign doesn't create culture. When we talk about belong, this is not what we're getting at. We're not talking about just putting a sign up and hoping everybody understands. Today we're going to continue in our sermon series on belong, our belong sermon series. Last week you heard Trent talk about transformative vulnerability. Uh, Today we're going to redefine hospitality. And then next week we're going to talk about sacrificing for one another. And these three things, and they're just three, there's many others. Uh, But these three things in particular are necessary as you do life with others, as you live in community with others. So we want to spend some time with that. You see, this sign and this business, it's it's just purely transactional. I pay money at this business, and I get to use their services. It's 
It's great. There's no relationship. There's no culture that I'm really like, engaging in. There's no real connecting. That's not what we're saying when we talk about belong here. That's not the belonging culture we're talking about. This is merely transactional. We're aiming for transformational and relational. <laughs> the belong culture that we are shaping is intended to draw you into deeper relationships so that you, your relationship with Christ is shaped and your relationship with Christ is enriched as you do community with others. Today we're going to continue in this endeavor, as I said, by redefining hospitality. Uh, the main idea for us today is a biblical understanding of hospitality properly defined inherently leads to a culture of belonging. A biblical understanding of hospitality properly defined inherently leads to a culture of belonging. This then leads to three questions, and this is where we're going to spend our time today. The first is, well, what is a biblical understanding of hospitality? How do we define hospitality? And then finally, how does hospitality lead to a culture of belonging? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go ahead and get started. The first question, what is a biblical understanding of hospitality? How, what does the Bible have to say about hospitality? Well, it actually doesn't use this word very often. It's not a common word that we find in Scripture. It's only used a handful of times um, all throughout Scripture. Uh, but it actually says a lot about hospitality in a more descriptive sense. What it has to say is actually a ton, uh, even if it doesn't necessarily use that word. For us today, we're going to be in a number of scriptures, uh, but our two primary texts for today are going to be Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4, and, and we'll get to those in a minute. But before we do, um, I want to ask you guys a question, some, some audience participation. <laughs> um, if, you, if someone was to ask you to list some characteristics or virtues of how a Christian lives in relationship with others, what would you say? How would you answer that question? And as you're thinking through that, why don't you go ahead and turn to Romans 12. We'll have it up on the screen in a minute, but Romans 12, it's in the New, Test New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans is um, in the New Testament about halfway through, so to speak. Uh, but before we get there, think about that question. Even if, even if you're here today and you wouldn't describe yourself as a believer or as a follower of Christ, my guess is you have some inclination as to how you would describe Christians, how they ought to act things that, that they ought to be as they do relationship with others, as they're living in community with others, right? As you think through that, hold on to that. Because Paul, <laughs> the author of Romans, and Peter, the author of 1 Peter, both have a lot to say about this. And both of these men are, are being led by the Holy Spirit as they pen these books, and they actually help address this question for us. So let's take a look first at Romans 12. Uh, Romans 12, we'll have up on the screen here. Um, just as a little setup, uh, Romans 12, we're going to be in verses 9 through 18. Excuse me. Uh, Paul actually has a lot to say about living in community. Right before this passage, he actually talks about gifts in the church. And I get it. I just want to acknowledge, jumping into Romans 12 on a Sunday morning, like that's hard to do. We didn't spend any time kind of setting up Romans through 11. Um, so just as a little precursor there, um, Romans 12 uh, starts off um, right before this section about live, using your gifts in community for the sake of building up unity in the, in, in the body of Christ. And then Paul moves here to say, well, how ought we to live then in community? And he lists 22 items <laughs> in nine verses. So let's take a look. Romans 12, 9 through 18. We'll have them here on the screen too. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. 
Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 22 items. Wow. (laughs) What I want to point out is Paul isn't setting up some sort of legalistic system of do's and don'ts. That's not what Paul is getting at in this text. What Paul is addressing is living in community. And what I want to highlight is my guess is that if I went around and asked you, how did you answer that question? What are some of the things you wrote down? What are some of the things that came to your mind? My guess is some of these things would have been on your list. We probably all would have, would probably agree with what Paul is saying. There's nothing on here that we would disagree with. It's kind of like, yeah, that makes sense to me. And in the middle of this, in the middle of this list, which I would argue most of us would agree with, is this idea of seeking to show hospitality. Verse 13, seek to show hospitality, Paul says. It's in the middle of these verses. What Paul is saying is that it is just part and parcel with being a Christian. We are called to seek to show hospitality. That is how we do community with others. Peter, likewise, and we'll spend a little bit more time on both of these authors, but Peter, First Peter now we're going to go to, he has a very similar kind of setup. He adds a few more nuances that I think are helpful for us to look at. Um, so we're going to look at First Peter in chapter 4, and it's verses 7 through 11. If you can't get there, we'll have them on the screen. First Peter is a little bit further. you got to get through the Paul's writings, Hebrews, James, and then Peter, um, and the New Testament still. But again, it's First Peter chapter 4, and let's take a look at what he has to say. Peter says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. After Peter writes a call to live according to God's will, he says here in this section, be self-controlled, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, love one another earnestly, show hospitality without grumbling, use your gifts to build each other up in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, hospitality happens in context of building each other up. It's in relationship with the other. Peter here, he's talking, he says, it's in the context of unity. It's others-minded. It's not optional. It requires a proper attitude. <laughs> and it comes from that which we receive from God, such that he gets the glory. Maybe what's helpful here is to even just describe the cultural context in which both of these authors, who, who wrote these books, similar time periods, both of the contexts in which they exist. You see, Christianity was not mainstream 
They were living in a hostile climate. <laughs> Airbnbs did not exist. I know that might be shocking for some of you, but 2,000 years ago, they didn't exist. Uh, there weren't hotels everywhere. As the preachers went out, those that were sharing God's gospel, those that were spreading the word of the Lord all throughout the land, they depended on others to, sh- to bring them in, to welcome them into their house. They had nowhere to stay. <laughs> Hospitality was, was a means of survival. Hospitality wasn't optional. But Peter addressed that it is possible, even in that context, then as, it, as is true today, <laughs> There were times that maybe the guests would overstay their welcome, right? That's why he says, show hospitality without grumbling. (laughs) One commentator here at this uh, point, he points out this old Italian proverb that says, a guest is like a fish. After three days, he stinks. Or Stephanie's grandfather, one of my favorite quotes from Stephanie's family, uh, his, 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 her grandfather, excuse me, her grandfather would be heard saying, come again when you can't stay so long. (laughs) As, as a guest relief, even if you're there for a half hour, that was his, that was his line. <laughs> you see, Peter, Peter wasn't encouraging this like, okay, you're, you're being shown hospitality. It's okay to take advantage of your host. That's, that's not what Peter is saying. But what he is saying is that there's times, all right, we might all agree, there's times where our guests might be taxing, where they can require a little bit much from us. And what Peter is saying, that even in those situations, we are called to show them love. We're called not to grumble. In these communities, hospitality was necessary for the gospel to spread. And I would argue the same is true today. In our community, hospitality is necessary in order for the gospel to spread. Notice in both these texts, we have this repetition phrase of one another, one another, one another, love all, everyone. We hear it over and over in both Romans and in 1 Peter. And both of them couch this idea of hospitality in this context of love. Both of them mention the necessariness of love. So then what is the least we can say about hospitality from these texts? Listening to that, thinking through that, what are, what's the least we can say? Well, I'd say that there's two things that these texts tell us about hospitality. First, hospitality is a requirement if we're going to be in community with others. And second, Hospitality is a must if the gospel is to thrive and spread. Hospitality is a requirement if we're going to be in community with others, and it's a must if the gospel is to thrive and spread. And these are both true then and as they are today. You see, being in community demands hospitality. It is just required. It means we have to be hospitable. It's the framework in which the gospel is able to thrive and, and spread And we do hospitality such that God gets the glory. That's the goal. So then this takes us to point two, because we talked a lot about hospitality, but we actually haven't defined what hospitality is. So what is hospitality? We've all experienced hospitality. I'd be shocked if anybody says, I've never experienced hospitality. This is a foreign concept to me. What are you talking about, right? So if someone asked you, this is some more participation. If someone asked you to define hospitality, what would you say? And if if that's a vague question for you, think about somebody that you would say is hospitable. Or maybe you used a phrase, they have the gift of hospitality, right? What is it about that person that you use those words, that you use those phrases? Just think through that. (laughs) Amen. Good food. 
<laughs> and that's probably where we're going to go. A lot of us would go, right? We'd go to a nice table setting. We'd go to an amazing spread of food. Maybe for some of us, we might think of like that table in the corner by the fireplace with the candlelight dinner and those nice glasses of grape juice. Mm. <laughs> or maybe it's, the, maybe it's the smell of warm cookies in the oven filling the house or that amazing spread of Thanksgiving, right? We, and these are all good things. If you were to ask me, are these the right answer? I would tell you, yes, yeah, and no. <laughs> those, are, those are good things, but those, that's not the complete thing. Hospitality is more than just physical components. And from a biblical perspective, um, we hear this throughout the scripture as well. The problem is that in the Bible, we don't ever have a phrase, hospitality is blank. <laughs> it doesn't do that. The Bible isn't prescriptive, as I said, about hospitality. It is much more descriptive. And frankly, it has a lot to say about hospitality that we can learn from. For example, we could, we could, you don't have to go to these texts. We could go to Genesis 18, and there's a story of Abraham and Sarah entertaining these two angels of God and God himself, and the amazing spread that they put together and the conversation that's had there. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> or in 2 Kings, there's Elijah and the woman from Shunem, or maybe the Shunammite woman, if you, if you heard that text before in 2 Kings, where this woman shows amazing hospitality to this traveling, this man that's passing by, this man of God. She invites him in. All throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, we have this, this command to love the poor and disenfranchised. And how, how are we called to do it? By showing them hospitality, right? Leave them food, invite them in, care for them. Jesus himself sends out his disciples. And what, is the, what does he say on their mission? Your mission depends on you getting hospitality, receiving hospitality. In fact, if you go to someone's house and they don't show you the hospitality, leave and go to the next house. Right? That, that was their mission. Hospitality was demanded from them. And then there's this dinner feast in Revelation 19 in the new heavens and the new earth. Mm. The Bible says a lot about hospitality. But perhaps what's most helpful is a story of Martha and Mary in Luke 10. Now, this might be a familiar text for some of you, and for others, maybe you've never heard of the story, and that's fine. Um, I'll summarize it for you. Essentially, Jesus is passing by. That's actually how this section starts off. Jesus is, kind of gets up, and he starts walking by, as, as he's so prone to do. <laughs> and Martha sees him and says, come on over. We, I would love to host you. And in verse 39 and 40, Luke tells us in chapter 10, it says, And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, the first thing I want to point out with, the, with this text is that both of these women were showing hospitality. Don't miss that, right? Martha is serving. Martha is organizing the house. And these are good things, right? Cleanliness is important to us today. Without cleanliness, we have, this, we have germs. Germs spread. We get bacteria. We all get sick. And it's not a good thing. Right? So these are good things. Having an ordered house is not a bad thing. But notice the juxtaposition of these verses. What do we see there? It says, Martha is distracted. <laughs> Mary is listening. You see, when someone arrives in your day, <laughs> inconveniently, inconveniently, spontaneously, or planned, at home, at work, or maybe even at church, at a good hour or at a bad hour, hospitality moves from worrying about physical appearance and preparation and moves towards attentive presence. 
when someone shows up, hospitality moves from worrying about physical, worrying about the physical components, these things that we described, the appearance and preparations, and it moves towards attentive presence. Right? Martha's distracted. Mary's listening. It's more than just a clean house. It's a matter of your heart. And that's what hospitality starts to get at. One author offers this definition for us. We'll have it for you here in the slide. She says, hospitality shows interest in the thoughts, feelings, pursuits, and preferences of its guests. It's good at asking questions and listening intently to the answers. Hospitality focuses attention on others. It's a means by which we imitate our infinitely hospitable God. And she later adds, orderly house or not, hospitality throws wide the doors. It offers itself expecting nothing in return. It keeps no record of its services, counts no costs, and craves no thanks. This is what Paul and Peter were getting at in their writings. And this is what Mary understood. Ultimately, hospitality is a matter of your heart. It's a reflection of Christ's love in you. Hospitality is the attitude and actions that lead to deeper conversations and authentic relationships. Now, what I don't want you to hear in this is some sort of apologetic against beauty. That's, that's not what I'm saying. Um, having an organized house, having an orderly house, thinking through these beautiful setups, these are good things. And frankly, you'll find no bigger proponent for those things than me. I, I, I admire beauty. Our God is a God of beauty, and he invites us to participate with him. And to, it's just this divine, beautiful dance that we get to do. These are good things, right? Sometimes, and this is sometimes, disorder and chaos and dirtiness, <laughs> these can be a distraction. Sometimes, not always. Here at West Shore, we have structures and teams in place to help remove barriers. It's something that we try to think through as we think through hospitality. But the point is, when someone shows up, right, when someone shows up, it's time to stop worrying about the physical appearance and move towards attentive presence. Pursuing, pursuing excellence is a good thing, but sometimes we have to carefully define what is excellence. And I get it, there's a tension here. Some of you might be feeling a tension, right? There's this tension between wanting to do things well and also being vulnerable and letting people in your house when your house is a mess, right? There, there's this inherent tension. I totally understand it. For Stephanie and I, <laughs> it means that we have to be okay with the fact that we have a light bulb in a socket hanging from three wires, three, it's grounded, don't worry, um, three wires in our dining room. So when we have our guests come over, they get to see this cool light socket, light bulb hanging from the wall. Or the fact that our first step isn't quite secure as you try to walk up the stairs. And for a perfectionist, let me tell you, these are hard things to overlook at times, not gonna lie. True confessions here. Trent said we're supposed to be vulnerable and being vulnerable. Let me just share that with you. <laughs> but if we were to focus on that, if I was to let that distract me, you know what would happen. <laughs> I would miss out on so much, right? When I'm able to move past that, I'm able to engage in some beautiful conversation. We had a family over just this past week and we had some great conversation. It was a great time of hanging out. They brought their little kiddos over and they filled our house with joy and laughter. And if I was focused on that light bulb, I would have missed all of that, right? If I was focused on the table setting, would have missed all of that. You see, hospitality is not about us. 
It's about others, and it's about God. Hospitality calls us to meet the needs of people, but then to move past that and to move into and engage in real conversation. Here at West Shore, it's the core of our belong culture, right? We actually have teams of people. We have door greeters, our welcome center team, our ushers, our first-time family check-in. These people, these men, these women, they serve week in and week out, creating a hospitable environment for all of our attendees, everyone that comes here to be welcomed in. It's, what we, it's the one way that we think through being hospitable to, to everyone with the goal of removing barriers so that you can come in here and hear God's word, that you can come in here and worship God well in our fellowship groups and our ministries that happen all throughout the church on Sunday mornings and here on Sunday mornings, right? That's why we have and focus hospitality in the core of, of what we do. At home, maybe it's a little bit different. My guess is most of you don't have door greeters at your house. Some of you might. That's pretty cool. But... Uh, most of you probably don't. So maybe it's just opening up your home, opening up your home to your neighbor, uh, listening to your guests when your guests are there, interacting with them. And honestly, it means letting the dishes pile up. <laughs> that could be hard, right? You have your guests there, dishes are there, you want to go do them, just let them pile up and just be attentive. Be present with your guests. That's what hospitality calls us to. And let's acknowledge, too, hospitality can be hard, and it's often inconvenient. We don't have time in our schedules for these spontaneous visits. We run on really tight margins. If we have any margin at all, it's amazing. So the question there is perhaps it's time to reprioritize. Or maybe how can we create time to allow hospitality to work its way in? Hospitality is not perfection, it's not always timed well, it's not always clean, and it may not always be convenient. But hospitality flows from a heart that seeks to love your neighbor. It addresses some level of comfort. It's required as a follower of Christ. It moves from the physical to the personal, and it is full of blessing. You might just be surprised how blessed you are as you show hospitality to others. When you just sit there and engage with somebody, the blessings get poured out upon you as well. So then, our final point, how does hospitality lead to a culture of belonging? Well, there's three, there's three things here that I want to say and then uh, challenge or, or kind of like this next step that we can take. So these three things. First, when you enter into community with others, the gospel both informs you on how to show hospitality and directs you to do it well. You cannot both say that I follow Christ and then not be hospitable. You can't do it. It's, that would be being, that's being inconsistent. Hospitality stems from an integral and consistent heart. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you on how to respond. And for everybody, it's going to be different. It's not going to be one way. God doesn't operate that way. The Holy Spirit will prompt you in a way that's proportionate for your growth. That's what the Holy Spirit wants from you. And he'll prompt you that way and call you to respond to help you to grow as you serve in hospitality. But it's impossible to be a follower of Christ, the same Christ who invites you to come to him in the most beautiful display of hospitality to then turn and not be hospitable. It would be incongruent. Hospitality is a proper response to the gospel. Number two, hospitality, with an understanding of hospitality, we can't help but to want to engage with others. It, it'll overflow from our transformed hearts. It's us reflecting Christ that's in us. 
We can't help but to want to invite people in and to listen to them, to hear their stories. There's no one best way on how we do this, but as we do, people will start to move towards deeper relationships. And as you move towards deeper relationships, your relationship with Christ will grow. That is our charge. That is what we hope for for you when we think through shaping our belong culture. Our hope is that as you move in relationship, deeper relationship with others, your relationship with Christ will be enriched. And listen, life is hard, right? <laughs> life is hard. Life has challenges. <laughs> Hospitality is a way that we can support one another, to be in relationship with one another, and frankly, to give each other rest, right? We all need a little rest. This is a way that we can share and show rest with others. Hospitality is one small expression of what it means to be in relationship, and it's in relationship with others that we grow in Christ. And then third, we should neither neglect nor properly elevate beauty as we seek to show hospitality. Sometimes people show up unexpected, right? But maybe you can be ready, even when the house is disarray, you can be ready to show hospitality. Offer them a glass of water. <laughs> you don't even have to make anything. Just invite them in. Let them sit down on your couch and just enjoy some conversation with them. Don't worry about the physical space. Attend to the person that's there. Engage with them. Other times you'll know that people are coming over and it's okay to think through beauty. It's okay to think through that table runner and candles and whatever else, right? Just thinking through that a beautiful display. Those are good things. But when the guests arrive, don't forget to move past that and to start moving towards attentive presence. So then what's next? Kind of where do we go from here, right? We talk through this idea of hospitality, what the Bible has to say, a definition, and how it informs our belong culture. So where do we go from here? Well, again, this is probably an opportunity for some more audience participation. My question for you is, what's next for you? What's a practical next step? All of us are on different spectrums in this journey. All of us are. Some of us do hospitality really well, and it's going to be a challenge to think through, like, what else could I do? It's just engaging with somebody uh, after the first service, and they're saying, I do all these things, have all these people, but I felt challenged to think through, maybe I can invite my neighbor over. I've never done that before. That's, that's, that was pretty neat. Cool. Maybe that's what it is. But maybe for others, it's not that. Maybe it's taking the first step and just saying hi to somebody out in the lobby, <laughs> right? You're engaging with someone in conversation out in the lobby, or maybe it's inviting them to a ministry event. Um, one of the men's events or women's events or inviting them to the West Shore's Got Talent tonight at 6 o'clock. You should come. It's going to be cool, All right? Maybe those are, some, those are some options for you in hospitality. But as you do these things, I just want to say give yourself some grace. Really, don't, don't hear a message of guilt. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm not trying to guilt you by any means. Don't do that. All of us have different levels and abilities. If you can't cook, don't cook. It's okay. Really. It's okay. Just have the person come on over and, or take them out to lunch. You could even do that, right? Give yourself grace as you seek to show hospitality and community because we all need more grace too. That's a whole nother sermon. We could talk about that some other time. At the heart of the matter, we find that hospitality is all about creating a space where someone might meet with Jesus. Hospitality naturally flows out of a heart that follows Christ and listens to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's a deep conversation with a friend wrapped up in an imperfect living room. <laughs> it seeks the needs of others despite the needs of yourself. And ultimately, hospitality is at the heart of our belong culture here at West Shore. Let me close us in a word of prayer.
Lord, I thank you for the infinite ways in which you show us hospitality and for the invitations that you extend to us to participate with you in that ministry. And for some of us here today, Lord, this is a new concept. This is, this is hard. This is a challenge. I ask Holy Spirit, meet with those people, meet with that person and minister to them and help them see what's one practical step, what's one conversation. How can we continue to grow in our relationships with others, Lord? Examine our hearts and challenge us there so that we can grow in relationship with the goal of growing in our relationship with you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.